Hey everyone, welcome to our second week of talking about the Trinity. Every week I wanted to give you guys uh, different ways that we could understand what the Trinity looks like. So we're going to start out by looking at John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. It says, in the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. It's an amazing passage at the beginning of John, and he is literally laying out the fact that Jesus existed before the world existed. When he says the word, he's talking about Jesus. Look it up. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Um, and then we, we kind of tried to understand a different way of, of maybe knowing how this oneness is threeness. Um, so we talked about an atom. Uh, we're not going to get too into sciencey stuff, so don't worry here. But th- there are three parts to an atom, right? They're all working together, but they make one thing. And none of us bat an eye when we talk about it in science class. There are three parts that work together that are actually just one thing. And they're the basic building block. It's what all matter is made of. The Trinity is three parts working together from which all things are made, right? I don't think that's a mistake or a coincidence. Um, Another way that, that looking at real life and how science can actually explain some of these things that we do believe about God. So another thing that we talked about was uh, God is kind of this unknown one. He's this creator, this thing that existed before us. He was not created by anything else, which takes a lot of faith. I understand. But also, if you believe that uh, some gases just floated around in space and caused an explosion, and that's how the universe started, you still have to say, where did those gases come from? So if you believe in God or you believe in absolute science, Big Bang, nothing else, and believing in God doesn't preclude the fact that you can believe in the Big Bang as how that happened and how he made it work. So um, you're believing it on faith. So God is this unknown one. He's kind of a mystery because how does something exist without being created? We don't really understand that. Our brains are not that big. So God is this unknown one. Jesus, the word that we would use for Jesus is manifestation, right? Meaning we can see him. We can understand him. Like God sent Jesus so we could see what he's like and what his heart is like. And the Holy Spirit is God within us. Like these feelings, these understandings, these these notions, this idea of morality, this idea of there are things that are right and wrong, and this idea of things being connected, this idea of joy and beauty and peace, like all of these feelings that we have are the Holy Spirit. Like they 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 give us glimpses of of God and this eternal truth that there is. next thing we looked at was these two really big words um, that I wanted us to understand. Cataphatic, which is K-A-T-A-P-H-A-T-I-C. Cataphatic. And it means according to the light. It means that what you can see 
what you can experience, that's what you're paying attention to. That's what you understand. That's what you know, right? And all of Western thought, um, which is where we live here in America, is, is kind of built on that, right? The Enlightenment kind of highlighted this this way of thinking, and we've we've run with it. And now it's like if you can't see something, touch it, and absolutely prove it, and completely understand how it works, it's not a thing worth understanding. Um, there's some beautiful things about it because we get to dig in and understand things and, and uh, learn more deeply about how the universe is and why things do what they do. That's beautiful. But if that's the only way we look at stuff, then we're missing out on the idea of mystery completely. So the next big word is apophatic, which is A-P-O-P-H-A-T-I-C, apophatic. And it means against the light. Now, it's not like, um, like it's fighting or something. It's just saying things that are dark, things that are not easily seen, right? Things that are beyond words. And in a lot of the rest of the world, in a lot of Eastern thought, there's a lot of um, mystery in things and things are a little more intuitive. Like there are things that, that we all know happen, but we don't exactly know why they happen, right? Like even though gravity is a scientific idea, we all know it. And it's intuitive and we can't really explain why it happens exactly so it's sort of an intuitive thing but also like just talking more about like feelings and relationships and love like these intuitive things that we feel um these are things that are apophatic right so um i we brought that up just because when we're talking about the trinity a lot of times we just want to look at it from our western point of view the cataphatic way according to the light only things that we can see, taste, touch, feel, all of that that we can poke and experiment with and explain completely. Those are the only things that are worth knowing. Those are the only things that we can know. And that's not true. There's another way of knowing, this apophatic way, which there are things that are kind of mysterious, but they're also intuitive and they actually do make sense. So um, I, I just urged us to make sure that we aren't just fully... Um, people who only deal in the cataphatic way, the according to the light way, but we also allow their room to be some mystery. So after we said that, we looked at uh, Genesis chapter one, because there's some stuff going on there. <laughs> Genesis chapter one, the very first two verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters right? God created everything. We believe that. And that, and that word created means out of nothing in Hebrew, not just created like there was some stuff lying around and he picked it up and used it. That word created literally means out of nothing. Later in Genesis, it uses the word made, which means he made something out of stuff that was already there, which is the stuff he created in verse one. Check it out. It's kind of cool to think about it that way. And also here we have an allusion to the spirit in the very beginning of the Bible. The spirit of God was hovering over the waters, right? God created. It's kind of giving us maybe a, a, a peek at, at the Holy Spirit, this idea that there's like differences in God. He's not just like this created being, but he also has this spirit kind of thing. So it's getting us to start thinking that way in the very first line jumping off. Um, then we looked at Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. This is like the culmination, the last day of God creating. It says, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. Don't miss that, right? Let us, us make human beings in our image to be like us, right? 
That's not like a misrepresentation of the original text. It is literally uh, a communal language saying there's more than one talking here to to themselves, right? So either God is kind of crazy or this Trinity thing might have something to do with it, right? Um, but here's, we want to talk about the rest of this because we're kind of getting into something. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them, right? Um, they're setting up something here that uh, is different about human beings, right? Uh, over all of these animals, he's putting us in charge of all these animals because he's making us somehow in his image, right? Um, one of the big things that we, we majored on after we read this was goodness isn't sameness, right? We asked, why is it important to have difference in creation? Why would God make things differently? Or Because if everything was the same, wouldn't things just run more smoothly and we wouldn't have as much trouble, right? Um, no, right? There needs to be contrast and difference. Or we can't be humble and love can't actually exist. If everything's absolutely the same and it has the same ideas and the same way of thinking and the same purpose, there's never any tension if there's never any tension, we can't lay down our own rights. We can't say, no, I'm going to defer to you right now. We can't show love if everything's just absolutely, like, the same. Like, think about if you saw, like, Wreck-It Ralph 2 and, like, all of, like, the weird Ralphs, like, come and they turn into the giant Ralph monster and they're trying to, like, get Vanellope, right? Like, that whole thing is, like, that's what the world would look like if everything was just absolutely the same. It would be kind of terrifying, right? Um, and then... Another question we asked is, is there any evidence in creation that God is interested in uniformity? Right? And it just in that verse alone, it talks about all the fish and birds and livestock and wild animals. Like, no, God isn't interested in everything being the same. Right? So if not, what does that mean for us? It means that we shouldn't be interested in uniformity either. A lot of times the church pushes um, a mold that says if you're going to be a Christian you have to dress like this, you have to act like this you have to look like this, you have to talk like this um, and there are some reasons why that, that mold has kind of been made because there are some things that um, don't help people know who Jesus is and aren't honoring God and we don't want to do those things that's true, but there's a whole lot of room in between where you don't have to look and be and say and talk a certain way um, just to follow Jesus, right? So, if goodness isn't sameness and God isn't interested in uniformity, that means we can be a lot more open and loving and, and inclusive of people um, when they're different because God kind of didn't create the world like that, right? He's given us a big, huge hint right here in Genesis 1 how he wants us to treat everyone. Um, <laughs> The last section we ran into was, um, we read Matthew chapter 12, verses 31 through 32. This is going to seem a little um, out of place at first, but we'll bring it back. Uh, the verse says, so I tell you, this is Jesus talking. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy can be forgiven, except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which will never be forgiven. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven either in this world or the world to come. All right, 
couple things there. First of all, here's Jesus, again, talking about the Holy Spirit, laying out the fact that there's this other part of God, and he always talks about God the Father. So just some scriptural references for us to show that this Trinity idea isn't made up by humans, but like Jesus taught it, and it's been proved out throughout the entire Bible. Um, But that seems really harsh that Jesus says um, this one thing won't be forgiven, right? Ever. (laughs) Like, that's really harsh. What is he saying here? All right, so um, just leave that cooking in your brain, and we're going to go back to something we talked about at the very beginning. Think back to the atom when we talked about that. When it is whole, it is what constitutes all matter. It is powerful. Harnessing the interaction between the proton, neutron, and electrons is actually how nuclear power is made. However, if it becomes unstable, the outcome is destructive. When the atom is disrupted and these parts are not in harmony, that's how a nuclear or atom bomb is made, right? When they literally mess up this interplay of uh, these three parts working together, it becomes incredibly destructive. And what Jesus here is warning us against is when you take part of this Trinity, this idea of God, this Holy Spirit part that teaches us um, God's truth that lives within us when we say, Holy Spirit, I don't need you in my life. You can't tell me what to do. I can understand God and I can understand Jesus because those are things that maybe I could kind of think about in my cataphatic according to the light worldview. But this Holy Spirit thing doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. So it's not real. You don't have any room in my life. You can't tell me what to do. I just understand you. Like I read books and I understand it. And I believe those things about you, but you don't want to feel it. And that might not even be quite as bad as the fact that what Jesus is really trying to say. Remember when we talked about Genesis and this kind of idea of God wanting us to understand that we should be caring and loving to everything he created because he's not interested in uniformity and goodness is in sameness. Jesus taught in Matthew 22 the story of the great banquet. This guy wanted to throw this big banquet party and all of his friends, all the rich people were like, no, we can't make it. And they kept coming up with excuses. So he got annoyed and sent out his servants to get people from everywhere. People off the road, homeless people, whatever it was, bring them to the house. Everyone's invited to the table. We're going to show all those people that think they're too good. And we're going to have a great feast without them, right? And Jesus is kind of using this as a kingdom of God reference, right? He's saying everyone is invited to the table. On Sunday nights, if you haven't been here in a while, we eat around the table, right, together to start off. We take communion together around a table to remember that we are together and absolutely everyone is invited, right? All the people at school that you think are annoying or terrible, people who have been mean to you, people in your life that are difficult, it hurts. But guess what? They're invited to the table. That's the point Jesus is trying to make. And I think that's the thing that the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us, right? That we're all connected. We are all in this together. And it all matters what we do and how we treat people, right? Sinning against the Spirit does this. It's rejection of the reality upon which all is built. It doesn't see the connectedness of life in all its forms. And it doesn't understand God, right? There's this thing called the Trinity Code that some people write about. And it says, it's written on all our hearts where our sense of morality comes from, right? Um, 
And it just tells us that we're all connected and everything matters because God created it. Um, so the way we treat people, the way we treat ourselves, and the way we treat creation, all of it matters. There's a really cool quote that we're going to end with from a guy named John Don or Doan. Uh, and it was written in 1623, and he was really, really sick, and he thought he was going to die. Um, and he wrote, No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. If a clod be washed away by the sea, Europe is the less. Any man's death diminishes me because I am involved in mankind. And therefore, never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. He's literally saying every time someone dies, it should remind us that part of us dies because we are actually um, connected together, right? We're not these separate islands doing our own things, which is what our culture teaches us, that um, you're your own thing, whatever you think is fine, and your actions and inactions don't really affect the lives of other people too much, right? Like we say that, right? Like, well, I can do whatever I want as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else. But when we do that, we distance ourselves from everyone else and we say we're not actually connected at all. So like, there's a whole bunch of stuff we can do on our own island that's not gonna bug somebody else on another island. But it's not true, right? God created all of us to be connected. This idea that the Holy Spirit wants us to understand. Um, so when we... Uh, deny that. We're literally saying, God, we don't believe in the way you created life. We don't believe in uh, the way that you love everyone else. So we're just going to set that aside and do what we want to do, which is incredibly selfish, right? So no man is an island. Um, we're all a piece of the continent and every part matters. Um, if we lived that way, I think a whole lot more people would be willing to hear about God and Jesus and understand Christianity if we really, truly um, live out this Holy Spirit life um, and we live out this Trinity code where everything does matter. Um, it's written on all of our hearts and we know it's true. And we, If you've felt the Holy Spirit, you've, you've felt it before. Um, it, it's a weird feeling, but you, you feel this connectedness and this, this peace and this knowing that everything um, works together. And is intended to work together and when we stop and don't work with that flow it kind of messes everything up and that's when we lead ourselves into sin so uh, come back next week and we'll be talking more about the trinity and and kind of try and wrap some of that up and we'll be doing some stations so we can kind of remember some things and have some hands-on um, ways to understand and remember um, this big idea that really should influence all of our faith